start. We are, we are in Romans 15, and uh, uh, it's a passage uh, which is going to talk about hope and unity. And uh, that's, uh, I'm going to read. We, are, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbour for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, O you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And then again Isaiah says, the, hope, sorry, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Now, last week we talked about issues that can potentially divide Christians. We talked about what people eat, what people drink, uh, days and festivals and things like that. And we talked really about those who are strong and those who are weak. And those who are strong, actually it's strong meaning uh, strong in their faith strong in what Jesus has done, then can look at those who have different views on unimportant things, which are really important, but unimportant, really important to the person who's weak, but unimportant when you think about the grand scheme of all that God has done, and have grace and mercy on these people, and not have to argue and correct everybody on everything. You, know, you understand? Because in the church, you have different views on creation. You ever come across different people? They believe in Jesus, that he was raised from the dead, that he's forgiven our sins, and they have a different view of creation. And you've got to set them straight, right? Especially when people become new Christians. There's, there's a whole lot they don't understand. And, and what we can do as Christians is really argue about the end times and spiritual gifts and the way we do church and all those things. But the grace of God puts them in their place. Whereas those who are weak in their faith hold those things as central. You've got to do it this way or else it doesn't work. When we, when we have cold weather, our guitars are terrible. Because you see, what happens is you have a cold room and you get your guitar out and it's in tune and then you turn the heaters on and it heats up. Right? And then it goes out of tune. Now... It's pointless with a guitar. Uh, it, it, it actually, they all go out of tune together. But it's pointless 
tuning one string. Because you don't want to be the one string that's in tune when everybody else is equally out of tune, hey? <laughs> yeah? It, we're talking about unity in the church and um, I think as we go on, hopefully you'll understand this because it's, uh, it's a huge and painful thing for us. But for now, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. That's, uh, that's what we talked about. We actually carry the failings of the weak. We don't look down on people as second rate. We don't belittle people. We heard uh, recently of a girl who was at church uh, and she heard other people belittling her, talking about all her problems and having a, a chuckle. She was very hurt. Hurt. What she actually heard was insecure, weak people because weak people look down on others. Don't they? Do you understand? And when our faith is weak, we look down because we're trying, our insecurity makes us try and compensate and convince ourselves that we're better. But a strong person that's strong in their faith can see that they themselves are weak and they're not threatened by weakness because they know their strength comes from Jesus. So, the weak are those who don't have an inner freedom. They feel in turmoil about all sorts of issues. Whereas as we grow in the, in, in the gospel, what happens is we get a solid foundation that causes us uh, to live with an inner freedom of conscience. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a security that comes through Christ. Okay. So, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. In other words, we're not on about ourselves. We're not self-serving. Our identity is not... Sorry, we're talking about identity. It's a funny thing to say we're on about pleasing others, but we don't want to be people-pleasers. You know what a people-pleaser is? who always feels bad about himself, so they try and do things for others to make them feel better about themselves. You know, those people. He's not talking about that. He's talking about people who are free enough in Christ that they can give of themselves and they don't care what what it means for them. They don't need the approval of the others, but they serve and they please others because they know how Christ has served us. If that makes sense. He sought to please others and he brought that salvation through the cross. Not because he was insecure, because Jesus was the most secure man who ever lived. He knew he was the Father's beloved son and therefore he could give up everything for others. So as we mature in our faith, we can take the lower place and look to the good of others. Okay. Now, the, the, the hard thing about this is, you see, if you talk about, I talk about creation. I've got a really firm view on creation. I believe something really strongly. And so it, it's important that we believe what we believe. It's just important that we don't thump everybody with it and that we let the gospel do its work on people. If we thump everybody with everything that we believe, what happens is that they don't get a chance to hear that gospel. Let us please 
let each of us please his neighbour for his good. You're good. Do you want to drink of water? You're good. Okay. Let each of us please his neighbour for his good to build him up. What is building up? Now, Paul talks about this same thing in 1 Corinthians 10. And so I want to read this verse quickly. He says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Give no offence to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they might be saved. In other words, we don't try and bring offence where there doesn't need to be offence about ourselves, but that others might be saved. We looked to their good at all times. That makes sense? He's not saying this. You don't have to flatter people, okay? You know, flattery, well, they say flattery gets you nowhere or flattery gets you everywhere. But that's not what we're on about. And we also are not those who have to agree with other people's sin, right? But we do care and love them and, and we actually help them through their hardship by not slamming them again at every point. Not to, not, we're not building up their self-esteem. Our aim is that they be saved. Because nothing could build them up or please them more than for them to know God the Father. For verse 3 says, For Christ did not please himself in his earthly life. Jesus sought the good of others. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Now, this is a strange thing. What? I'm sorry. Paul's talking about, he's got to give an example of what it is to take the lowly position and he jumps back to a weird Old Testament verse from Psalm 69, which in, in the end he says is about Jesus not pleasing himself, uh, but he says, uh, Psalm 69 speaks of righteous people suffering. And he's saying, now this is Jesus, the righteous one, who suffers greatly and all of the reproach, all of the anger with God falls on him And Jesus takes it all. The reproaches fall on him and he is humble and he accepts that pain, he accepts that suffering for the good of all he will save. Now, that's what Jesus has done and Paul's saying that we have a ministry of joining Christ in that. Sometimes it's hard, but we are looking for the good, we bear the insults and we don't fight back for those who might be saved. We put other people's good before our own. We put their salvation above our own pleasure. Right, then Paul goes on to speak about the importance of the Old Testament. I've got to go through this passage. There's a lot of stuff in there and then I'll hopefully be able to tie it up some in the end. So I'll tell you when to wake up again at the end. But it's important to catch this, okay? He says, For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures we might have hope. Now what Paul is saying, here's a person in the Old Testament which is talking about Jesus. And the Old Testament is full of things which cause endurance because, let's face it, if you've ever read the whole Old Testament, you'd say there's a fair bit of suffering in there. 
And sometimes you might even say there's a fair bit of suffering in just reading the Old Testament. Now, but when we see the Old Testament through Christ, it comes to life. I was talking to Shelley Bonthrone the other day and she, she's come to this great revelation of the grace of God, of Christ being the centre of everything and she, she got it and she's just so full of joy and she's saying, and you know what, I'm reading the Old Testament and it is so exciting. She said, I've read through Isaiah. Do you know Isaiah tells the whole story of God and it's all about Jesus and and." You see, something funny happens when we see everything through Christ and the the Old Testament through Christ and we see that hardship and suffering, it does something in us which brings us life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can't explain it, but it just happens. Okay. We are deeply encouraged and it brings hope. Now, hope, but he's going to talk a lot about hope in a minute. Uh, But that's what he says. The encouragement of the scriptures that we might have hope. You know what hope is about? Hope is about the future. Without hope, you will die. Okay? You always are looking forward to something. It doesn't matter what position you're in, whether you're young and you're thinking in the future we're going to get married and have a family and kids, or whether, whether you're old or you might be on your deathbed, you've got to have hope. What's the hope for? A resurrection hope. Or maybe you're looking to have children, grandchildren. Maybe you're looking forward to a holiday, a time away, something different. But you see, we always have, you might actually be thinking about your families coming from uh, Africa to Australia. And you hope for that. And that hope actually brings life. Do you understand? We, all, we, we have to have hope. And he's saying here that in the suffering, somehow in the power of the Holy Spirit, hope is born. I'll read another passage from Romans, and it's one we, we know really well, but listen to it again, but we're listening for hope. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. So in some strange way, when we know we've been justified and we go through sufferings that produce perseverance, that produce character, it brings us hope. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he's given us. The Holy Spirit takes those passages. You know, it's a strange thing that I, I have people come to me and when, they're, when they come alive in the Spirit and they say, I've been reading Job, and you think, oh, there's a, there's a book for depression in there. And they say, Job's so alive, like it means something. It's like, it's got to have the Holy Spirit because it's all about suffering. But the Holy Spirit brings that suffering and, uh, and, and gives you joy. Or, or I remember others saying, I read Jeremiah. And, Jer- and you know what Jeremiah's all about? Hardship. And somehow the Holy Spirit takes you through that hardship, shows you Jesus and brings you out and gives you what? Hope for the future. Because uh, as we've often said, um, you know, uh, sometimes a woman would go to a women's day, which I've never been to, but I've heard what happens at these. And sometimes you would get a young mum who would get up and tell you about her perfect life and how her perfect children, and she's ordered her way and everything, and everyone goes home and says, oh, I ought to try harder and try harder, and they end up kind of just falling in a heap. 
But then you get another one, and a lady gets up and says, gee, I've had hardship. I've got a hard home hardship for my husband, my kids are mucking around, everything's going wrong. And the women go home encouraged. Why is that? The Holy Spirit does something through suffering that brings hope. Uh, it's more than just saying, oh, see, see, I'm not the only one. It's actually that God ministers through hope. So Paul jumps into a prayer then in verse 5. He says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God of endurance. I don't know if I've ever heard him called that before. But if you said the God of patient suffering, yeah, I understand that. He patiently suffers with us. You see, what he's saying is there's other Christians who struggle with all sorts of stuff, endure with them patiently because God is the God of endurance. If you want to think about Jesus' endurance, think about how many times he said to his disciples, where is your faith? You've seen this, this, and this, and this, and this, and you still haven't got faith, yeah? You can hear him sighing, right? He has incredible patience and compassion and an endurance. And he's saying, draw from the God of endurance to get your endurance so that what? So that he will give you harmony. When we think of harmony, we naturally think of the church, don't we? We think of six strings, one of them in one tune, one of them in another tune, and one of them in another tune. Okay, right. And partly the reason for this is that everybody's in a different place in their faith and everybody has their different uh, wheelbarrows. I talked about some of those things. And we're all in, we, we all have different things that we think are the centre. And so Paul says, if you... Are dealing with this, how are we going to deal with it to create that harmony? Well, it's be, being strong in your faith and not looking down on everybody else and not thinking bad thoughts about them, but it is about, how shall we say it? It's about not, it's about keeping the gospel at the centre and using the same grace that God has shown us with endurance to one another. Now, endurance actually, if you think of endurance, I naturally think of running a marathon, which I've never done. But you've got to have a lot of endurance. And endurance means pushing through pain, doesn't it? And that's what the church is actually about, pushing through pain uh, to get to harmony. Now, I'm still going to sum all this up in a minute. But he says, do this in accordance with Jesus Christ, in accordance with the gospel. That is what will give us the endurance and encouragement. And if you're going to have any meaningful harmony, it will be through Jesus Christ because he is the one who binds us together. Now, he's instructed us how to live as Christians. We know it's a continuation of last week and he's all, all of this is coming after the tilting point in the gospel in Romans where he says, this is all what Jesus has done, now this is how you should live and this all comes under this bit where it says, love must be sincere 
and it's all about the power of the Holy Spirit. And he, and he says this, may the, God of in, no, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Jesus Christ, that together you may, with one voice, glorify the Lord and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gathering together of the people who, with one voice, do what? They glorify God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We long for this, don't we? Don't we long for this as a church? Bring it on, Lord. That's what he's saying. He has to, you see, if you're going to give teaching about such a thing, you have to realise and you, you jump to the we can't do it. So you need to pray for it, which is what he's saying. We love unity. We want harmony in the gospel. We need to pray for it. Why does he say that? Because... The church then was the same as the church now. It's painful. The church is painful, isn't it? Yep. Really painful sometimes. So we pray for harmony in the gospel and he gives us hope. Jesus prayed the same thing, by the way, in John 17, verse 20. Listen to, this is praying for the church that was to come after the disciples. He says... I do not ask for these only, that's for his followers, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love me even as you love me. Jesus is praying for the unity of the church. Paul's praying for the unity of the church. God's heart is for that unity of the spirit. Therefore, he said in verse 7, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And then he goes on and he tells all these verses about how God has sent uh, the Israel to uh, bring the Gentiles in, and that's good for us because we're Gentiles, and uh, the, the Gentiles and Israel will all be singing and praising his name, and everybody will be together, all because of God's mercy, and because he has been faithful to his promises. And therefore he says, rejoice, praise his name together, in compassion through suffering, in grace, God will give you the power. Okay. He says all that, and we'll finish with verse 13. He says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. He's finished with hope. The secure future. Do we have hope? Do you have hope for the church? Hmm. We um, have been talking a lot about this. Um, I, we're talking to Rob, a friend from Deer and Bandy, and he was talking about things that have gone wrong in the church in the last few years. And he said, I've worked through it in my head. He, he must have a lot of sleepless nights. And he said, I've gone through every combination and permutation of if we'd have done that, and 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 if we'd done that. And he says, I always come up with the same thing. We always end up at the same place. Do you ever have regrets 
and you think, I wish I'd have said this, and I wish I'd have said that, and, and, uh, and um, you go around in circles, and often it's, it's not just, I wish I hadn't said that, it's I wish they didn't say that, because it's often other people's problem. And what Paul's saying here is your hope comes from God. Now, I had a good talk with my kids this morning about this subject because I'm not very good at the Avengers. Did anybody watch Avengers movies? Oh, darn. So someone here correct me. In the one which is called Endgame, it all comes bad, right? But there's this, some sort of stone. What's the stone? Infinity stone. That you can look into. And, and a bloke called Stephen Strange, I've written it down, it's okay. He looks into it and he's looking at the problem they're facing. The bad guys are coming and he goes through every single different combination, every single way to work it out that the the good guys could win. And he comes up with only one option and that's one of the good guys has to die, right? Yep, he has to die to bring about the defeat of evil. We can look through every permutation and combination of all of our lives and try and find a place for hope. But at the end of the day, that hope is going to come as a gift from God. It's going to come through the death of his son. Um, I don't want to make Marvel into a gospel story. But you see, Paul says after saying all this, may the God of hope give you hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. If you want joy in this world, it's going to come from God. If you want peace, it's going to come in believing, in faith. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Our future is secure in hope because it comes from him. If you look to yourself in what you can do, if you try and generate it in yourself, you'll end up hopeless. There is no hope. It comes... There is no hope that's generated in ourselves. It's a gift. It comes from God. That's why he says, may the God of hope give you hope. And it's going to need... May the God of endurance bring you endurance. We're going to need endurance. Okay? And then uh, in 2 Corinthians he says, may the God of compassion give you compassion. You see, if we're seeking anything... It's going to come from God who is perfect. It's not going to come from us. If we try and generate it in ourselves, all we end up is, well, disillusioned. We end up hopeless. But guess what? God's had a plan. I saw Jody bought a book the other day on church history and I thought, if you were to read the story of church history, a couple of thousand years, that you know, it started the day of Pentecost, you'd say, what a mess. Yeah, and yet somehow God's still taking his people forward, hey? Yeah? Somehow the gospel still is going out and people are being saved through a church that does what? Through a church that receives from God and lives in that, receives the Holy Spirit, lives in the Holy Spirit, speaks of, receives the grace of God and speaks of the grace of God receives the hope that God gives and lives out that hope. Our only endurance and our only hope is going to come as we receive it from him. 
So receive it. I'm going to pray. Father, we uh, have to confess that we often look to ourselves. And as we do, we see things cave in. As we see regret, our own regrets and also the regrets of uh, what we see others failing in. And we come to the same point. We need you. And we have nothing without you. We need your endurance. So I pray, Father, that you would bring us your endurance. That through suffering, you might, by your Holy Spirit, bring us hope. We don't have what it takes to love one another, as Paul's commanded us here. So, Father, I pray that you would pour your love into our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that we might love in your strength. We don't have compassion. We have selfishness. Father, I pray by your Spirit that you would drive that selfishness from us, that we might live selfless, looking to the good of others. We pray that you would pour your Holy Spirit out on us, that we might live in your fullness. Pray that that beautiful message of your son taking our place and dying in the only way that could bring hope, that that would take such a grip on our lives that we could leave behind all those things that aren't the sinner. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.